I have my dear friend here, Vanna, even though she called me Christopher earlier. <laughs> I said that and I was like, oh my gosh. I was doing homework and I saw Christopher like in capital letters and I was like, I saw, I, I, was, like, I was like, in my head, I saw you go. <laughs> yeah, I was like, am I being pranked right now? But oh well. Here we are, everyone. I have the pleasure of introducing you, Vana, one of the sweetest people ever. If you could please first introduce yourself to everyone. Yeah, so my name is Vanna. I am a board-certified nurse practitioner, which I think I'm the first one that you've had on. I'm so honored, but I do specialize in dermatology, but I'm certified in family nurse practitioner. But I see probably about 100 patients a week that I work for TENS, and I I do see anywhere from acne to psoriasis to skin cancer surgeries, full body exams. It's funny because a lot of people, when I tell them dermatology, they automatically assume, okay, just Botox and fillers. But the majority of my practice, I would honestly say 90% of it is Mm -hmm. medical dermatology, which is a lot of rashes and warts and hair, hair loss, nails, things like that. But I love what I do. Yay. And actually, Vaughn and I got connected by Nurse Clara for the ACU again, which was a month ago, where we talked about acne awareness. And yes, Vana is the first NP that I've had on. My goal has always been to talk with an NP, but I've always, always envisioned it to be someone from Derm. So there's so much misinformation on the internet about every field in healthcare and especially skin. We we see all the time right even on like tiktok or instagram there's these hacks and whatnot and because i just make you think wait this is so unsafe i am so worried for this person so why don't we bring on the experts like yourself to talk about it and like i said the first one from the nursing field i wanted to ask how did you get here in your journey like education journey obviously you were an rn before right you were in nurse before mm-hmm. so can you please tell us and all those aspiring pre-nursing students and nursing students absolutely so i did i got my bachelor's in nursing and there's actually a lot more flexibility because you have people out there that do want to pursue but they are a mom or a dad or they have to work full-time they can't mm-hmm. just go and you know get their bachelor's so there's a lot of different ways these days that mm-hmm. you can you know obtain your rn their bridge program mm-hmm. But I got my bachelor's in nursing and then I worked in the field for a couple of years. I actually worked in the NICU for about a year. Yeah, I I loved it, honestly. Adults in the ICU setting terrify me, which is hilarious because I get the opposite from people that work (laughs) with adults. They say that babies in an ICU terrify them. So yeah, I worked in NICU and then I actually became an RN in dermatology and Mm -hmm. I think that was my saving grace in becoming mm-hmm. a provider in dermatology. Mm-hmm. I get so many questions of how did you even get into the field? And I got into the field by getting my foot in the door. And yeah. a lot of people come to me wanting to be a provider in dermatology, mm-hmm. and that's being an NP or a PA. So I think that you can get your foot in the door, let people know who you are, your work mm-hmm. ethic, they get mm-hmm. to know you, they get to love you, and then you can be hired on as an extended provider. And mind you, there's different things that you can do. You don't have to be an NP if you Mm -hmm. got a bachelor's Mm -hmm. and you still want to go into the field of medicine, you can Mm -hmm. be physician's assistant Mm -hmm. or I think it's associate now, right? Yeah, associate. Yeah, Yeah, physician's associate. 
So the practice that I work for, we have an equal number of PAs and NPs. We mm-hmm. both do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I know the scope of practice is different by state by state, but we are supervised by an MD or DO, a medical mm-hmm. director. Yeah, my journey was actually pretty cut and dry, but... I mean, for people aspiring to be in the medical field, there are so many different ways mm-hmm. that you can get there these mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. You've just got to start. Yeah. And I'm so curious, where did this love for healthcare start in? Did you always want to become a nurse? Like, you know, we've heard those stories. I've always wanted to be a nurse. Was there anyone in the family or friends or personal experience that you were like, oh, I'm going to be in healthcare one day. For sure. Since I was in high school, I always wanted to be mm-hmm. in medicine. I actually started college pre-med. Mm-hmm. And I think you will get that a lot. And mm-hmm. I have so much respect for physicians, but I also am very thankful that I chose the route that I did mm-hmm. because I mean, I have the flexibility to go in between mm-hmm. specialties if I would mm-hmm. like. I have a supervising that I can always, and my supervising mm-hmm. physician is amazing. I have her to lean on, to mentor me or to mm-hmm. ask her questions. And also I have the malpractice yeah. on me. <laughs> <laughs> Being honest here, yeah. um, definitely, yeah. In medicine, yep. so yeah, there are definitely benefits to being an extended yeah. provider. But yes, I grew up with many family friends being doctors, nurse practitioners, mm-hmm. and it wasn't always necessarily nursing. Mm-hmm. But once you do get into the field of nursing, you just have something ingrained in you mm-hmm. that you're so proud to be a nurse, and mm-hmm. your family and your friends are so appreciative and proud of you as mm-hmm. well it's yeah. definitely a very very rewarding profession yeah. to be a part I agree. I agree you know I do have students who either high school students or college students who message me on YouTube or Instagram they're like I don't know what to choose should I go the mm-hmm. pre-med route or the pre-nursing route mm-hmm. or the other routes that there are right mm-hmm. and I think it's so great that we are in a generation where we have options Options. right we have options there's power in having options and i love what you said everything like flexibility i get that a lot too or my friends get that a lot too they're like oh why didn't you become a doctor um and some of them will just plainly say i don't want to be a doctor i don't want to be yeah i don't want to be a doctor is I have friends who want to start families early. And as we are aware, the road to medicine, the life of a physician is alone. Hard. And that's why I have so much respect in it is I have no doubt that if I really wanted to, if I wanted mm-hmm. to take the MCAT, if I wanted to mm-hmm. go to medical school, mm-hmm. I have a very determined personality. Yeah. I am a smart person. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that like, boastfully mm-hmm. or yeah. conceitedly. Yeah. But, but we have to be smart, right? <laughs> yes. But like kudos to them because, I mean, my sister-in-law, she's an orthopedic surgeon. Mm-hmm. And just the things that, you know, I've heard yeah. and seen, I'm like, gosh, like it is. It's very, very hard. But I mean, it's rewarding for them too. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm happy because I was able to start a family and I had the flexibility of while I was getting Mm -hmm. my master's, I still work part-time and um, it's just totally different. Yeah. I agree. And being the first nurse practitioner on my cha- on my channel, I'm thinking like it's a TV show. On my on, on it is my a TV page, show. It is a TV show. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Can you explain to those who may not know what the role of an NP is? Like the study route. I know there are masters and also doctor prepared NPs. So if you can explain to us the studies to get there, um, the training, and also what is your scope? Sure. So you do as a nurse practitioner, and it's different. 
for physician associate, mm-hmm. but for nurse practitioner, you do have to have a bachelor's in nursing to be accepted into a master's program. So basically I did four years of undergraduate, had obtained a bachelor's. It's different these days though. I mean, it was up and coming. I feel like when I got my bachelor's to where mm-hmm. you can do like your bridge to RN, master's. like BSN. Yeah. yeah. So I obtained my master's, which took about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And I could have kept going and doing doctorate. Doctorate was actually an additional year. But mm-hmm. in my mind, it's different for every school. But in my school, it was roughly two years for a master's. Mm-hmm. And then an additional year if you just kept going through. Mm-hmm. But like, if I went back at this point, I think I would have to do an additional two years to get yeah. a doctorate. So it's a master's in nursing. It's the same way with mm-hmm. physician associate. Mm-hmm. You have a bachelor's, you have to mm-hmm. meet the prerequisites to get into mm-hmm. PA school. And then you obtain your master's and you're able to work under a supervising Mm -hmm. physician. So my scope is different state to state, Mm -hmm. but honestly, I could open a practice as long as I have had a medical director to check my charts, make sure, Mm -hmm. you know, I was abiding by Mm -hmm. the the law. I could open my own practice if I wanted to. I do not want to do that. I love the practice that I work for. Mm -hmm. I love my supervising, but I do with the exception of, so in dermatology, There's medical dermatology, there's cosmetic dermatology, and then there's surgical procedures. And more specifically, there's a procedure called Mohs Micrographic Mm -hmm. Surgery. You do have to have a fellowship in that because you Mm -hmm. have to read slides as a dermatopathologist. So I do the same things and have the same scope of practice and see Mm -hmm. the same types of patients that physicians see Mm -hmm. with the supervision of my supervising Mm -hmm. physician. Actually, I've gotten a lot of questions in that when I started promoting our live is, is there a point or is there a case or a condition that you see within the field of dermatology where you have to refer the patient to the supervising physician, like other than procedural stuff? Sure. No, I've never had to just pass on a patient to my supervising, Mm -hmm. more of the way that it works within our practice Mm -hmm. is I'll see a patient at three times. And if within three times I'm not getting them better or it's not quite responding to therapy, I've done a biopsy, I've done lab work, you know, I've, I've done all the diagnostic things that I need to do. And for some reason, they're just not getting better. I will pull her in. She comes to my, our locations. We have a couple of locations. She comes to each location frequently and she'll see the patient with me, work through that with me. But there's never a time where I just don't see that patient's care through. Got it. Yeah. And I feel like though the role of NPs are not new whatsoever, I feel like a lot of people still do not know much about it, right? Regarding the extensive education and the training, all the clinical hours that you do before you even sit for the boards, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, And I want really to delve into that patient room. So like you said, 90% of what you see in the clinic are very medical, right? And Mm -hmm. you enlist them like acne or psoriasis or even eczema. Is there one condition that really impacts you the most as an NP in dermatology? For sure. I mean, it's definitely acne. And I work with a lot of different providers that Mm -hmm. don't like acne. It's just, I feel like I get so many acne patients. They're drawn to me. (laughs) Um, And I, I love to treat it. I love to educate patients on it. I love to go through with them how we're going to get them better, the background of acne's etiology, things Mm -hmm. like that, and then walk them through their treatment. I mean, I treat so many different things, but I would say that that's the one thing that when I see that on my schedule, I'm thinking, oh, this is something that I love. Yeah. And we talked about this a lot. Like there is a psychosocial department and aspect to 
not just acne, but dermatology as a whole. There's a lot of stereotypes and bias against different fields in healthcare, right? And even dermatology is not immune to it. Like you said earlier, people think it's just a glam. Oh, yeah. Glam and glamour. Oh, Botox, fillers, liposuction, nasal fillers, all these things. But they're forgetting the medical aspect of dermatology. Like people who have lost hope because they see themselves as, oh, I'm not wanted. Oh, I'm ugly because mm-hmm. of my skin condition mm-hmm. or whatnot and how do you compartmentalize that as a provider i guess like a patient is crying in front of you because of their skin condition how do you separate the oh, i feel so bad too this is what we're going to do yeah i actually had to do that recently i had a, a patient with pretty bad hair loss mm-hmm. um, you think about it put yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. if you're all of a sudden just losing clumps mm-hmm. and clumps of mm-hmm. hair i mean you have to empathize mm-hmm. you have to connect with these people Mm -hmm. you have to understand why they feel the way that they feel but the biggest thing that gets us through care is hey i hear you people can walk into a room with a medical provider and probably tell within a few minutes Mm -hmm. if they truly care and are connected Mm -hmm. with you Mm -hmm. or not so hear them out listen to what they have to say and say this is what's going on explain Mm -hmm. to them because a lot of times in their mind they're thinking how did this happen Why is this Mm -hmm. happening to me? Go through that with them, whatever it may be, and then say, this is how we're also going to get you better. And really, truly explain that. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had patients come to me, family members, friends say that I went into a medical provider. doesn't have to be a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. I go into a medical provider and I walk out thinking, what just happened? They just Mm -hmm. came in and they went out, Mm -hmm. didn't talk too much to me. And there is a delicate balance because you Mm want to see a certain amount of patients Mm -hmm. and reach a certain amount of people and help Mm -hmm. a certain amount of people. Mm -hmm. You only have a limited time to do that. So it's like getting in that room, really connecting with them and explaining their plan of care in an efficient way. Yeah. Like I told you before, the very first dermatologist I went to for my acne literally was seated down with the medical assistants, right? Took pictures, asked me, have you taken this or that before? Dermatologist comes in, they look at me and I just told my story that, oh, I really want to get this better. And after one minute, she already had the regimen without even touching my face. Mm -hmm. They didn't ask me, oh, when did this start? How does it make you feel? Or whatnot. And within five minutes, I was out of the room with a prescription already. That's why... I love talking to you because you always talk about this. There must be that connection with patients where they need to know that you care for them. I love how you really develop this patient and provider communication and connection. Because I feel that's also key in the success of the treatment, right? Why would I do this if I don't trust who is telling me to do it? Right? Am I confident that I'll actually get a follow-up? Will I get actually solid advice? I mean, there's no perfect physician. There's no perfect MP or PA. You just need a physician or an MP or a PA who knows what they're doing and actually cares for their patient, right? Right. And, and actually, a lot of questions also came about hair loss. As the one who's treating it, how do you attack that? What is your starting point with, oh, I have hair loss. This is our treatment plan. Yeah. And I can't imagine mm-hmm. hair loss. I actually <laughs> did. I had postpartum after my mm-hmm. had it really bad. Mm-hmm. But hair loss is a 
whole different beast. And yeah. it's funny because people will come in for acne or full body exam. And then at the very end, they'll say, oh, and I'm losing a little bit of hair. And I'm thinking, this is a huge appointment. Hair loss, I personally, I will go over all of the different types of hair loss. Mm-hmm. I'll assess your type of hair loss, mm-hmm. ask you questions about mm-hmm. stress, about, you know, recent events, medications, things like mm-hmm. that. And then try to clinically mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. okay, I think it could be these types of hair loss for you. Mm-hmm. But also key things in hair loss are a biopsy and also lab work. So mm-hmm. extensive lab work, making sure nothing internally or systemically is causing that. Mm-hmm. A really common thing is your thyroid or like an autoimmune type of disorder. If I look at your scalp and your follicles are inflamed, yeah. Yeah. there's a possibility of an autoimmune type mm-hmm. that's called lichen planopilaris. There's so many things And I am very much OCD type A of, hey, we're going to figure out what type of hair loss you Mm -hmm. have. And it may Mm -hmm. simply be telogen effluvium, which Mm -hmm. is stress. It Mm -hmm. may simply be male pattern, female pattern Mm -hmm. hair loss. But either Mm -hmm. way, you treat them all differently. There's a specific way that I treat orally or topically. Mm -hmm. And we need to figure out and get to the root of the issue to Mm -hmm. be able to correctly treat you. And I think that patients want that. I think Mm -hmm. that they would want me to go through Mm -hmm. that process. Mm -hmm. rather than say, oh, here's some minoxidil, here's some rosane, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I agree. And actually, I'm curious as to your thoughts on over-the-counter creams that we see yeah. in Walgreens or whatnot, medicated formulas that are non-prescribed for hair loss. Do you think there's a point where, oh no, you have to see a provider for this? Oh, I definitely think there is. I mean, period, I would see a provider because mm-hmm. there are prescription strength medications that mm-hmm. will help with your hair loss. And they're not necessarily long-term. For instance, mm-hmm. telogen effluvium, which is stress-related hair mm-hmm. loss, you can get that after any type of traumatic or stressful event. Some people Mm -hmm. I'm seeing are getting Mm -hmm. it from, you know, medications. They get it postpartum after having Mm -hmm. a baby Mm -hmm. or they just had like, a family member pass away. It can yeah. be anything, but it will correct itself once the stressful event is reversed. We figure out, okay, what is the root cause of this? It'll correct itself on its own, but there are things we can do to help speed that process up. It is good to use minoxidil. It's not going to mm-hmm. hurt to use minoxidil, which is the generic of Rogaine. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, marketing, it is more expensive. I, d- I can't remember. One of them, men's and women's, one's more expensive and they're the same thing. Yeah, it's insane. So it's a less expensive one, people. (laughs) But yes, I do think there are some times where I in the regimen, I will do minoxidil. I will say that I don't do it solely by itself. But I think it's a great place to start. But then again, when you're coming to me as a provider and asking me for help, I'm not just going to recommend over the counter things. I usually will give you a prescription because Mm -hmm. it's a so there are new things like PRP for hair loss, right? Do you also do that in your clinic? Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. So can you explain to people who may not be familiar with PRP and microneedling? It's like the new miracle of the century, right? Everyone sure. is getting microneedling. Everything for acne, for hair loss, for scars. For under the eye, dark under circles. The eyes. Yes. Oh so PRP has actually been used a lot. Basically what you do is it's a lab draw. We spin your blood down and get the platelet-rich plasma. That's the PRP. The platelet-rich plasma off the top. And then for hair loss, specifically for female male pattern hair loss, we inject it in the areas and it stimulates. It uses those stem cells, the growth factors for you to have new and honestly more rapid hair growth. And I've done it on a good amount 
of honestly I've done it more on men than women Mm -hmm. and it we've had very good results typically Mm -hmm. you'll have injections every four to six weeks it's Mm -hmm. optimal for four every four to six weeks for anywhere from four to six months Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can also maintenance it but we have done befores and afters and we've Mm -hmm. seen great results I've actually done it in a male's beard Mm -hmm. um, and had good results too to grow out the beard yeah Wow. Like bald patches. Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. Wow, that is amazing. See, this is the thing. You can have the best of both worlds. You can get laser to get the hair out. Yeah. And then now you can get PRP with microneedling to actually let it grow. It's amazing. your heart desires. Yeah, every heart desires. Is there one procedure that is your favorite that you do in your clinic by any chance? I really love, and it's funny because it's cosmetic. I love PRP mm-hmm. under the eyes. Mm-hmm. I really love surgery though. So we, mm-hmm. we excise skin cancers. We excise. Mm-hmm. Mm. cysts lipomas i think everybody that gets into dermatology doesn't realize how much they will love surgery or how much they'll actually do the surgery because Mm. you know we see full body exams or people Mm -hmm. come in and say i have this spot and it won't Mm -hmm. go away biopsy it it ends up being a basal cell carcinoma squamous cell carcinoma or even a melanoma and at certain staging we can remove melanomas so i do i love doing excisional surgeries amazing you know like you said there are medical and they're just pure cosmetic procedures like let's get into the topic of botox the thing right now which i plan on getting from my forehead because i just have like this i'm toxed i'm really toxed here (laughs) i have like this little line because i'm i'm usually like what 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 were you saying it's just how you are yeah yeah but then my skin is like okay we'll we'll give you we'll give you a souvenir on your forehead Mm -hmm. and can you explain how botox works yeah so botox is when you think because i do get that question a lot the difference in botox and fillers so Botox is a neurotoxin and basically what it's doing is it's relaxing the muscle. Some people like to say paralyzing. I think that Mm -hmm. sounds harsh, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's relaxing your muscle breaks down acetylcholine and then it takes about three to four months depending on how you dilute it. Botox is also a powder. It has to be diluted. Mm -hmm. So some people will say, oh, they dilute their Botox. You have to dilute Botox. It comes in the form of a powder, but it usually lasts about three to four months and that's how long it takes to build back up. Another common question I get is if you get it once and you never want to get it again, it's not going to make anything worse. So typically I'll have patients that get it around special events if they don't want to do it every three to four months. But basically what it's doing is it's relaxing your muscles. I'm not the best example because I regularly get Botox, but in places like your forehead, when you raise Mm -hmm. your brows, the frontalis is the Mm -hmm. only muscle that's going to raise your brows. And that's Mm -hmm. where you get these horizontal lines. Mm -hmm. So in adding Botox, what we do is we relax that muscle. There is an art to it though, because if you just do too much, I mean, you'll get where you can have that heavy, you know, brow. I have patients say, I never want my forehead injected again. I got it injected and I felt like Mm -hmm. it was so heavy. You might have been injected a little bit too low or dosed a little bit too high, but done nicely, it just relaxes the muscle in your forehead and your Mm -hmm. crow's feet, Mm -hmm. your bunny lines and Mm -hmm. And in the infamous, or actually, I like it. So I think it's the famous, (laughs) the lip flip. If you have a gummy smile, you can inject it to lower so you don't see as much as that gum. I think it's the best thing ever. Yeah. And 
people don't see how it goes even beyond just the cosmetic part, huh? which I actually want to talk to you about is, for example, I know for some TMJ, right? They can mm-hmm. do Botox to relieve the tension, even hyperhidrosis for like armpits, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a question that came up a lot. Do you think that there is a fine line, especially in the field of dermatology, is there a fine line between vanity and medicine? Do you think no. cosmetic dermatology is just pure vanity or is there something more to it? No, I don't I don't think there's a fine line. And I think you'll find people that disagree and providers that disagree. But here's the thing. If you restore someone's confidence mm. or their joy, if they feel better because they don't have wrinkles in their forehead, mm-hmm. great. You yeah. know what I mean? You're increasing their quality of life, whether you agree with that or you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when it does come to the hyperhidrosis, I mean, People do have the excessive sweating where you can inject Botox in the palms. I've done both. I've done palms and I've done axilla or armpits. And they're able to wear white shirts. They're able to wear certain tops that they were never able to wear for. Or men that are just like soaked. I mean, and I've done men and women equally. It's not one versus the other. That's improving their quality of life. I don't think there's a fine line. And if it is solely because in your face, because you look and you feel better, Mm -hmm. then more power to you. Yeah, I feel like some people either don't understand or really underwhelm the power of confidence, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that you can go outside, full smile, wearing whatever you want. Even me sometimes, like I do sweat a lot, like in my armpit. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I can't wear a gray shirt, especially during summer. Interesting, yes. Because you don't want to be walking and you have like two spots of like on your shirt that's like darker than the rest of your shirt, right? So, So I love what you said about the power of confidence. And I feel like that alone really gives a statement on how much dermatology can change a person's life. And Mm -hmm. that's why I can't imagine, or I can't imagine how fulfilling it is to be a provider in dermatology. Even for fillers now, how about fillers? Is there something outside pure cosmetic where fillers can help? I mean, yeah, I've done filler and Botox, filler and Botox on stroke patients or patients Mm -hmm. that to correct that more symmetry yes or like bell's palsy there have been people that have gotten an accident you know they had screws in their forehead Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. you know want a more even forehead Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are definitely things that are i mean they're still i guess considered cosmetic Mm -hmm. but it's not just oh i want to be you know it's not a vanity thing there's something that's that's preceded this and happened in their life yeah and i think it's also what media has done right they place so much stigma on cosmetics when it shouldn't be like and also if a person wants to have something done or added or removed in their face right like why not it's it's their money it's 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 their skin but as we already have explained Botox before, can you explain how filler works? Um, different? Sure. There's different types. The, the main type that I work with is hyaluronic acid fillers. Mm-hmm. That's a natural substance found in your body. But basically, it's, it's like in a gel form. And when you think about fillers, you think about augmentation or correction at like a static line. Mm-hmm. So when we fill the nasolabial folds, that is from the muscles. Mm-hmm. But once you've gone so far, you correct it with Botox as much as you can, but mm-hmm. then you have those lines at rest. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We can take filler and mm-hmm. restore. You have fat pads and mm-hmm. those fat pads mm-hmm. move around as yep. we age. Gravity takes a toll. So we can put the cheeks back. We can put the chin back. I honestly, even though I have Asian in me, Asians have very flat features. Do you have Asian in you? Yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't know. That's why I'm so involved in ACU. I know. I, I was asking her, I was like, Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it's it's Chinese. I w- mm-hmm. So it's really Hawaiian. I've always mm-hmm. identified as Pacific Islander mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's where I, I was born in yeah. Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, wow. I, I love it. Oh, yeah. I did genetic testing and I am 46% Chinese. Mm-hmm. I know. ACU percent. <laughs> I know. So basically, and as you know, Asians have very flat features. Mm-hmm. And all the rage now is the cheekbone, the brow bone, the chin. So we can, yeah, we can take fillers and mm-hmm. augment where that bone would be. It's essentially changed like the shape of the face. Yeah. You know what I was really surprised about is nasal fillers. Mm-hmm. Where if a person doesn't want to do rhinoplasty, right? You can mm-hmm. actually just like contour your nose and in that way. So it's great. It's amazing. And I love how open you really are talking about Botox and fillers. And I think that's something that we have to change in this generation too, is trying to get rid of the stigma around it. Yeah, especially because you have these people that are getting these procedures, these injections, you know, using filters, but they're not owning up to that. Mm -hmm. And then the people that are thinking, well, I don't look like that. Well, Mm -hmm. they look like that because they've got injections. Like, don't tell me, don't go on. And you see, I'm making facial expressions. I'm able to move. Mm-hmm. And it's very natural and subtle. But if I were to come on here and say, yeah, I just, it's the it's, Asian glow. I, I was born and like, I woke up like this. <laughs> yes. No. Like, share your secrets. It's always been a taboo or a tell-all. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a tell-all person. But it's like, when people ask me, like, oh, how do you do this? I'm like, well, it's equal parts skincare, Botox, mm-hmm. fillers, mm-hmm. and medical procedures, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's a very crucial part, too. So you talked about skincare. We talked extensively about this before, but... Let's move out of the realms of just acne. I feel like 2020 was the year of skincare. Oh, yeah. The pandemic. Everyone was home. Everyone was trying new things. And I feel Mm -hmm. like some people do poor different skincare. And then because there's so much, they don't use it, right? Mm -hmm. But since everyone was on lockdown during, during the pandemic in many parts of the world, they got to use the things that they bought from before. I was like, even my mom, she was like, oh, I didn't know I have this. I'm like, well, first check the expiration date. And also, too, you have so many things. Mm-hmm. Like, she has different types of things. If there is one part of the skincare, whether it's cleanser, toner fees, toner, actives, or whatever, what is your favorite part of your skincare routine? I would say there's two answers. I knew it. We can't just say one. <laughs> And I feel like people think that derms like use this as a cop out. I think actives are the most fun. That's that's the mm-hmm. most enjoyable part. Okay, but the reason you are using those actives is because of oxidative, environmental, and sun damage. Mm-hmm. So the most vital part of your skincare routine is sunscreen. And I know that people are like, oh, yeah, dermatologists, they won't stop talking about sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah. And but it really is really important. It's even important in acne. It makes your dark spots fade quicker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I will say the funnest, the most rewarding products are going to be your actives. Mm-hmm. But you're going to save yourself a lot of time and money if you do a sunscreen. Sunscreen, yeah. I feel like with sunscreen, people just automatically equate it to like skin cancer. But there is more to that, right? Like, Yeah. 
most of the wrinkles are caused by long-term UV radiation. Yeah, I have so many people that will come in and they'll say, okay, what lasers do I need? What skincare, mm-hmm. what vitamin C serum, what, you know, retinoid? Mm-hmm. And I'll say, first and foremost, if you're investing your money in all of these medical procedures or any of these products, but you do not have a good sunscreen, broad spectrum on board, you're wasting your money. Yeah. There is the skin cancer side of it for sure, because that UV damage does alter the basal and squamous cells of your skin. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the fine lines, the wrinkles, the pigmentation, the uneven texture and tone. It's from the sun, (laughs) environmental and oxidative damage. Like I feel like I'm beating a dead horse all the time when I talk about it and people like roll their eyes, but it's so true. Yeah. Isn't it funny how people spend so much time and money and resources to reverse things when Mm -hmm. you can just prevent it in the first place? That's why I love what Susan always says, like Susan Yara, that all of your other skincare parts are useless if you're not wearing sunscreen, which Absolutely. is so true. And July is UV safety month. We did a feature on ACU. And it's so true. And I agree with what you're saying about hitting like a dead horse too. And this is why I also started the show about the misinformation. There's so much misinformation on sunscreen online, right? Oh, it's not needed. Oh, it will give you cancer because It'll kill uh, you. it will kill you. <laughs> it goes into your bloodstream and it will make you toxic and you will die. As a provider who studied and trained and sees patients and learned continuously mm-hmm. in this subject matter, how do you combat misinformation like that? Do you target it head on? or And how does it work, let's say, if a patient comes in and says, oh, these are what I've read. Mm-hmm. What is your view? I actually encourage it. I love to educate patients. I, I don't shy away from it. They'll come into me and they'll say, I recently just had someone come into me and they, they came in for one thing and they said, I know that you're supposed to go to the dermatologist and they're supposed to do a skin exam and, you mm-hmm. know, check you for skin cancers and pre-cancers. But I mean, I'm just not worried about that. As I was looking at him with all of these pre-cancers all over his face and I was thinking, we should be worried about it. We should it be. Turn into skin cancer. But yeah, when they come in and they say, you know, this is what I think, or this is what I've read, or in mm-hmm. my mind, this is how I think about it. I say, yeah, you tell me everything because mm-hmm. I don't want you going to these forums, these discussions, mm-hmm. Dr. Google. Yeah. I want to be the one educating you and telling you, yeah. you know, what I have learned in my, in my practice and mm-hmm. my schooling. Mm-hmm. And, in, you know, I love conversations like that. Yeah, which is great because there's always a new myth every single day, right? Especially around skincare. And I don't know if you've seen this, but I think two nights ago on TikTok, it blew up about retinoids. How yes, there was one where it's like, tell me something that you didn't know. And then the second clip was this guy saying, oh, you should stop retinoids because my psychiatrist said it's a depressant. And mm-hmm. it was, call you to you know commit suicide which is literally against literature and all the articles that we have as a master in this field please (laughs) clear the air for everybody i mean honestly and the other thing about like retinoids will thin the skin out when that's actually the opposite Mm -hmm. it (laughs) inflates collagen growth and increases elastin so and there are actually research studies on that yeah but then as far as you know i honestly find that retinoids increases people's confidence Mm -hmm. and it actually does the opposite they feel better about themselves 
Yeah. And and people that make those types of claims, you know, you've got to look at the big picture. So be in saying, okay, what was really going on in your life? You may have started a retinoid and then a family member died or you went through a breakup or but something. Acne itself can cause depression. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that's why, you know, I, I do prescribe Accutane. So I yeah. have patients come in and there is that you know, mood change component of Accutane. But I tell people, yes, that is a possibility. That is a possible side effect. I will monitor you very closely for that. But I actually see the opposite of it. It actually, people's skin starts improving. They're feeling better and they are more social or, you know, they're not as depressed or anxious about the way that they look. So yeah, there is nothing that can medically research tie depression, which is a psychological issue from a topical medication yeah. At this yeah. Point. yeah and not to discount the psychiatrist training who did that but psychiatrists are masters in psychiatry right mm-hmm. this is why it's so important to listen to the ones who are in the field of dermatology because yes. noid is <laughs> within the bounds of dermatology and also all these myths and misinformation that we see online are from isolated cases right this is mm-hmm. what happened in this one person who used it and okay. then people want to generalize. Like, yeah i'm thinking like Accutane is considered a retinoid. It's an oral. Yeah. It's an yeah. oral retinoid. Yeah. So I'm like, is that where you were going with that? Because the topical version, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Because we see everything. Oh, it goes into the bloodstream, so it's gonna make you depressed or whatnot. Despite the lack of literature, scientific literature in it, this is a good thing about social media as well. It's a double-edged sword. We see this misinformation here. We also have the chance to like clear out this misinformation with social media itself too, right? And with all that happened last year, the pandemic, it's great how we all connected, right? Online and everyone's working together to fight misinformation and all of that. And back to retinoids though, what a lifesaver, right? What a lifesaver. Like gold standard. Gold standard. I can't imagine life without retinoids right now. Some nights I'm, I'm so lazy and I get so tired and I fall asleep without putting my retinoids on. I wake up in the next one. I was like, <gasps> yeah, you see that like this hyperpigmentation right here <laughs> and right here. I went to sleep without washing my face and doing my tretinoin. And that's what happens. That's the price you pay. Yep. And within dermatology, we can't avoid skincare. That's where it's rooted from. Right. And for sure, your skincare is like optimal because this is what you see every day. What are your top ones or two do's and don'ts when it comes to skincare? Definitely always have a sunscreen, but then for your actives, you're going to want a vitamin C in the morning and then a retinoid at night. Some people can be sensitive towards vitamin C. So anytime you incorporate something, do it one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people get ahead of themselves. They want this three to five to Mm -hmm. 10 step routine. Yeah you get irritated and you don't, you have no idea what caused that irritation. But the biggest education should actually be with retinoids Mm -hmm. because it is going to exfoliate the skin. It's increasing Mm -hmm. your cell turnover rate. So Mm -hmm. you've got to make sure that you are connected with someone that's Mm going to educate you properly on how to incorporate that into your routine, but definitely make sure you've got the right actives and then take it slow. You don't have to have a million steps, Mm -hmm. um, especially for acne. I think minimal is even better. Um, It's key for acne. For sure, because you can actually cause acne with too many products or too irritating of products. Yeah. And when it comes to retinoids as well, another misinformation that I've seen was how it causes photosensitivity. 
Mm-hmm. That's why derms say not say not to use it in the morning. But actually, mm-hmm. it's the other way around, right? It gets broken down by the sun. That's why you don't want to use it in the morning. Exactly. And- yeah, and it actually is. It's produced in more stable forms these days, so you can't even use it in the morning. Yeah. I have people yeah. with really bad comedonal acne, which basically mm-hmm. requires a retinoid, mm-hmm. and as their skin tolerates it, I always increase them to twice a day. You do think of it as a rule of thumb to use it at night, and there's mm-hmm. really no it's just keeping it simple mm-hmm. to not change that yeah there's no reason that you can't do that in the morning mm-hmm. but either way even if you're using a photosensitive product yeah. and you've got a good physical sunscreen block yep i agree and i feel like also this year what came out is the retinoid alternative is Bakushio. what do you think of it actually i haven't read much about it, about other providers talking about it yeah, I they're still doing research on it, but the research that they have done is shown to have the same benefits of a retinoid. So I think if you can't tolerate that or you even are pregnant or breastfeeding, it's a the perfect alternative. I honestly recommend Bakuchiol or azelaic acid. Mm-hmm. We have a little bit more research and understanding of azelaic acid and it, mm-hmm. it does wonders for rosacea as well. Mm-hmm. But I do think Bakuchiol is something that's very up and coming. It's something that we should pay attention to and consider for very sensitive skin types or people that are pregnant or breastfeeding as a retinoid alternative. Got it. Yeah. I mean, the world we live in, right? There's a new ingredient almost every day, different plant extracts. There's so many, so many. Yeah. So many. I am going to name a few, some of which is so mainstream. I just want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, chlorophyll. I, we've seen this. What do you think of using I, There are some things that I really, I'll see it and I'm like, well, I don't really, I don't really have an opinion on chlorophyll. Yeah. I don't, I stick to what works, what is in the literature, what's researched. Mm-hmm. I'm not opposed to, you know, yeah. looking into things and trying new things. Yeah. But there are some things where I'm like, oh, that's just not really worth my time right now. Yeah. How about niacinamide? Oh, love niacinamide. So that's another up and coming star. I think we talked about this on the Mm -hmm. the acne ACU live. It's great for sensitive skin types. And a lot of pharmacies are compounding it into retinoids Mm -hmm. to counteract and balance the irritation from those. Mm -hmm. How about AHAs versus BHAs? Is there one you prefer or you think they're used for different things? So they're used for different things. Sorry about my dogs. This happens every time. I know. My husband takes the kids away and then he brings them back and they they chill outside and this happens. But anyway, okay. So AHAs and BHAs. BHAs is like your salicylic acid. And that's more for clogged pores, blackheads. It's really going to get deep into the pore and clean out that keratinous mm-hmm. debris. Mm-hmm. So it's really good for acne skin types. Mm-hmm. It can be a little irritating, though. So you have to be careful with it, especially in the mm-hmm. form that you use it. Mm-hmm. And then AHAs are like your glycolic. Mm-hmm. malic acids lactic acids mm-hmm. those are for more for evening brightening a skin mm-hmm. tone mm-hmm. um it, it is exfoliation but i think of that more for hyperpigmentation mm-hmm. or livening up dual skin mm-hmm. and a lot of people have asked can they use acids while on retinoids or is that too sensitive for them so you definitely can you have to be careful i wouldn't put on a salicylic acid or glycolic and then follow that with a retinoid. I definitely mm-hmm. think that you can have both. I actually use glycolic in the morning, AHA, and then a retinoid at night. You can definitely combine them, but you you always just listen to your skin. Your mm-hmm. skin's going to tell you if you start to get that, you know, itching, burning, mm-hmm. red feeling, 
then it, it likely is that your skin is a little bit too sensitive, but mm. you can always work your way up to it. Yeah. A lot of these actives and active ingredients, they're increasing your cell turnover rate. They're exfoliating. So you're going to get a little bit of peeling with it. Mm-hmm. But when you start to get the redness, the itching, the burning, mm-hmm. your skin saying, whoa, 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 this is too much. Yeah. How about clay masks? Do you think it's too heavy on the skin? No, I think masks are great. I don't do a ton of them because mm-hmm. I feel like I don't have time for them. It's so but in a, perfect, in a perfect world, I would love to sit yeah. around with a mask on. It's a luxury, right? To put a mask on. It's so Yeah, much I think clay time. is very detoxifying. Yeah, I guess it's like you gotta put it on, you gotta wait for it to harden. Then the hardest part is actually taking it off with like yep. warm water and just so much time. How about nose strips? Do you believe in nose strips? So it just, it depends because first of all, you have to be very careful. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to be ripping the first layer of your mm-hmm. skin off. It will clean your pores out. I think it's a quick fix if you've got like an event or mm-hmm. something that you're really trying to prepare for. But the ultimately, the best thing is going to be your BHA and your retinoid to clean those pores out and keep them cleaned out. I think that's a common misconception as well that oh okay i'll just spot treat Mm -hmm. or i don't have to continue my Mm -hmm. actives Mm -hmm. but it's vital to continue those to keep the pores cleaned out we talked about this before too vitamin c i love it (laughs) i love it give give, give me all the brightening stuff okay typically vitamin c vitamin c is an antioxidant it reverses and prevents oxidative damage from the environment from the sun so basically Mm -hmm. you think of this as evening brightening the skin tone reversing hyperpigmentation Mm -hmm. it does have a little bit of an exfoliative effect Mm -hmm. the best type to have is l-ascorbic acid It doesn't stay that stable though. So you've got to make sure you've got a good reputable product because if you've got one in the wrong packaging, Mm -hmm. um, it can oxidize very quickly. You you always want that to be like a clear yellow tint. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you start to get on the side of orange brown, the Mm -hmm. product is oxidized and it's just not effective. Yeah. And I also love it when vitamin C's are formulated with vitamin E and ferulic. Makes it more stable. Yeah, I feel like it adds to the stability of the vitamin C itself. Because I used to use one brand of vitamin C before SkinCeuticals, the gold standard. Um, And when it comes, it's like oxidized right away. And like, this cannot be it. And last one, chemical peels. So do you think of chemical peels like BI peels? Do you think it's a routine thing that should be done? Um, Do you think there's some people who shouldn't even get chemical peels? Mm-hmm. So chemical peels, I love chemical peels. I'll do them a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good maintenance or a mm-hmm. good add-on. It's mm-hmm. but it should never be in place of skincare. So I have a lot of patients that will come in and they'll say, "Oh, I've been treating my acne with peels." Peels are not going to help your acne. Yeah. It may help with the pigmentation, mm-hmm. you know, the the dullness of your skin. But mm-hmm. I do think that it's a great, you know, add-on to skincare to do every, you know, twice a year, quarterly. So yeah. you've got like your glycolics that will give you, you know, a more even skin tone or like a VI peel that will reverse mm-hmm. melasma very well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they are good adjunct to skincare, mm-hmm. but not solely for, you know, treating certain conditions like acne or hyperpigmentation. Yeah. And we talked about this too. Acne, because of the inflammation, this is causing the hyperpigmentation, right? You talked about PAH and PIE before. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to treat it at the cost. You're going to possibly help dry out the acne. But it will come back and mm-hmm. the inflammation will get worse and your hyperpigmentation will get worse. But I do love VIP. I have tried VIP multiple times before. Things like crap. But it's so... Yeah, yeah. it's formaldehyde in it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And you look like a snake, literally, for one week as it comes out. But you do feel last like a new person. Year, yes, last year I did it around Halloween. I, so it was perfect. But yeah, anytime I do a procedure like that and I come home, my husband's like, what? Have what? Fun? <laughs> I went to, when, back when I was in nursing school, I had a VIPO. And I had clinicals that week. And obviously, there's no masks during this time. So I went to clinicals. And my face is like, Mm-hmm. healing and all the patients were like well you look like a snake uh-huh. i was like wait until the seventh day yeah i was like the lord's day is in the seventh day wait wait for it <laughs> i'll be a new person i do love you and what i also love is talking to you all the time your work as an np is especially in dermatology it's a lot of work it's just beyond the cosmetic and the medical and the procedural a lot of it is emotions involved right mm-hmm. especially when it comes to patients they come into the room open up to you within a matter of seconds and they trust mm-hmm. you and they entrust you with their stories how do you decompress out of work what do you do outside of work that's like i'm not at work right now i'm me it's me time Mm-hmm. I love Netflix. I love shows, but I'm also a mom and a wife. So, you know, I come home to my family and, you know, I, even though people unload their emotions on me and, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that mm-hmm. I endure during the day, I actually enjoy that because mm-hmm. I'm helping them. And I have people specifically say, you know, thank you for listening to me or mm-hmm you're good at what you do because you actually mm-hmm. listen to me. Mm-hmm. So even though they are unloading their emotions on me, I, I'm reassured in that the fact that I am helping them. But yeah, then I come home. I, I sometimes have a little bit of a drive like today. So I'll listen to podcasts or I'll listen to my favorite playlist and just kind of unwind on the way home. And then when I get home, I spend time with my family. And then, <laughs> oh, and then the boys go to bed, and then my yeah. husband and I will, like Netflix. So pretty, pretty normal things. And I think what also helps us the flexibility of your work, right? Mm-hmm. Like hours wise, like we talk about with physicians, you don't need to be on call. You don't have to. I'm so sorry, but interventional cardiologists don't have a life. They are called at four a.m. Six either. Like I, my, like I said, my sister in law is an orthopedic surgeon. And yeah. She, always on call always getting called in and yeah i have a very good i don't like to say work-life balance because i feel like that's mm-hmm. not that's an oxymoron that's not yeah. such thing yeah. but i do i don't work weekends i don't work mm-hmm. holidays mm-hmm. i do i work four ten, so seven to five but then when i get off like i'm off that's it right and this is something like pre-nursing and nursing students need to know. I think it's it's common within the nursing field, right, where new grads are always, I guess, frustrated or whatnot to get, oh, bedside experience, bedside experience. You've got to work med search first. You've got to be at bedside first. And we'll tell you right now, there's mm-hmm. not. There's not. Now, that's what clinicals are for. They that's force you to do that. They force and you to study clinicals. And make you realize that that's not what you want to do, right? Yeah, yeah, and kudos to the people that will do that. I mean, it takes a special, special yeah. person. But I dreaded going to clinicals every day yeah. and running around just giving people medicine, giving mm-hmm. them sponge baths. And yeah. there's a need for that. And the yeah. people that do that and enjoy doing that, yeah. you know, you have a special place in my heart. <laughs> but that yeah. is not for me. I yeah. went immediately to the NICU for mm-hmm. a little bit less than a year. And mm-hmm. then immediately, immediately people kind of try to steer me away from germ because they were mm-hmm. like, you need more hospital experience. Mm-hmm. You, need to, mm-hmm. you don't need to do an mm-hmm. office setting. 
Mm-hmm. And now I have people messaging me, contacting me left and right. How do I get the job? Yeah. Yeah. And I knew this also as um, a nursing student, but for those who are well unaware, there is a life outside bedside in nursing. Nursing, the beauty with nursing is how versatile this job is. You can work outpatient. You can work mm-hmm. inpatient if you wanted to. You can work. You can work behind a desk. Behind me. a desk. Yes. You can work as a traveling nurse. In research. In research. You yeah, can you teach can... if you want to. You can be in management or whatnot. Yes. Mm-hmm. There is a lot in nursing. And I'm glad you took that step. And you're enjoying as a dermanty and, you know, helping people and helping patients and them change their lives mm-hmm. and gain their confidence back. And I know you had the whole work day, so I really don't want to keep you because yeah. I know traffic as well. I want you to rest as well and have time with your boys before they go to sleep. Yeah, um, well, I always love spending time with you. And thank you. You keep saying thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. I thoroughly, we always go over because it's so fun. I know, I know. But yeah, thanks for sticking in here with us for a whole hour. That's great. It's so exciting. Thank you so much, Vana. Have a good night. Thank you, too. Thank you. Bye.